I want to make a work that encompasses life, and in doing so, gains a life itself, born from sights so vast and expansive that they lost themselves in wonder, a land that, having reached the edge of the world, dismissed abandon and stepped again. My name's Christina Chan, and I collect stories. More specifically, I'm an artist specialising in printmaking and alternative photography. What is printmaking, you ask? Alternative photography? They're very old practices that include a lot of different mediums. Printmaking includes processes such as etching, engraving, lithography and screen print. There's a lot more. But what do I do? A little bit of everything, really. Although, at least for now, that's a bit besides the point. The point is, I've always been fascinated with the history of print, how it has grown with and helped facilitate revolution, reformation, rebellion and reconciliation alike. We use print to share ideas, philosophy, science and religion, used it to try and describe a world still unexplored. And when photography came along in the 19th century, we found a new way to describe the world. And that's what my practice is very much about, this idea of narrative and site specificity. In other words, stories about specific places. I travel to places, recording my impressions, learning local history, looking through archives and conducting interviews, trying to develop a sense of place, or rather, paint a portrait of it. And this is very much from the point of view of an outsider. I'm interested in a story out of context, and how it lets you feel a place first. This is really important to me. I often think of it as a library, we have a great one back home. It's built to resemble a Roman Colosseum, but not a new one. No, it's built to resemble the ruin. Its walls crumble the closer you get to the entrance, and like a labyrinth, they close in and wrap around you the deeper you go. And you do. You go round and round, circling the stacks until you lose yourself in dewy decibels. And just as you're about to lose yourself entirely, that's when you grab a book and the spinning stops. And almost like a lifeline, you find yourself transported into another world. But it isn't just the book itself. It's all the notes and highlights and comments written in the margins. Evidence of all of those who came before you, coming together on the page. And the vintage ones are the best for this. That's what my friend says. It's like never having to dine alone. That it's romantic experience. These are her words, not mine. But I am inclined to agree. And maybe that's why we devour a good book. Consume it. It's a greed and a hunger to immerse yourself amongst its pages, the world it describes, and the characters who live in it. One of my favourite authors is Ashling Hunter, who describes it beautifully. In her poem, The Story As I See It, she writes, Like a book already written, we consider how to hold memory in the mouth. I've always loved this particular phrase. It's tantalising as if it really does take on a taste. And so, whether it's light or fruity, crisp or full-bodied, we begin to develop a palate for memory. And in this sense we return to the idea of dining, or rather, not dining alone. Memory is not ours, not completely. Memory is individual, but it is also collective, subjective, and cultural. Like a liquid, it takes on the shape of wherever it is placed. I'm not saying we can pour out our memories like wine. No, rather that they can shift and alter depending on those around us, where we are, or our mindset at the time. And in this way, it changes and matures. 
So maybe wine is the right metaphor here. Or maybe it's simply getting late and I have it on my mind. But be it our own memories or those we encounter in a book, perhaps even a podcast, we begin to witness a form of resurrection, of reanimation, a bringing to life of all of those who came before us, those who came to hover in the stacks, tracing their fingers along infinite spines, until, for no discernible reason whatsoever, one catches your eye, and you begin to revel in its world. And for a moment, maybe longer, you bring its characters to life once more, and for a time, we live with them, together on these pages, live their lives, their love and loss as if it were our own, until we can't help but fold a corner or underline a phrase, marking them as they've marked us, before once again returning them to rest, filed away amongst the endless rows, waiting for the next person to pluck them from the shelves and live again. In my art I work with printing presses that are centuries old, and it's a similar feeling. From early on, we're taught how to read a plate. We study the length and depth of line and begin to see the draftman who carved it, taught to see the deepening of the groove as the needle slows, the hesitation on a curve, and the burnishing out of mistakes. We see where he is confident and where he is not, if his expertise lies in architecture or portraiture, where his patience has run out and where he gains it back again. These are all marks that tell a story hundreds of years old. They reanimate before our eyes to include us. And in those brief moments, these people come alive and we're able to converse with them again. Perhaps not quite through words, but another language altogether. One that defies time. And it is this weaving of experience I try to express in my work. What I call a felt history. A story that we interrupt just by coming across it. Merging timelines, if you will. And when this intersection happens... Our narratives collide into experience. And perhaps that's when I realized it's not just the words or images that we glean when we look upon a place. That, like notes written in the margins, there's something in between. A story unfolding in real time, with its own immediacy and shifting contexts. A plotline so complex we're forced to step back and compartmentalize, establish boundaries, set each other apart, differentiate between self and other now and then. But what if it's simultaneous? A story without end, set in a land spanning lifetimes. I wonder what it means to be. What is time in relation to our own growth? Can it be measured linearly, or rather in concentric circles? Can it break the earth and rise up against the day's progression? Either way, time passes. And eventually, we must ask, what of us remains? Ground to dusk, the red earth returns us to the wind, taking flight to once again fill the eyes and occupy the present tense. With this in mind, welcome to Horizons. This podcast is a transcription of my research, impressions, insights and experiences of my travels. These are all the stories behind my work the ones that resonated with and inspired the series that they're named after. And my work has brought me to many of these places, most remote and many ancient. I long stopped wondering if I seek them out, or if they have begun to find me. Between forests and flatlands, deserts and valleys, caves and canyons, the only conclusion I can draw is that there's strength in seeing them at all. 
the landscape as a pilgrimage. So without further ado, let me introduce you to the first season. This is Between Our Seas. Join me as I travel across South Africa, learn about local histories and ecologies, chase infinite beaches and vanishing paths, descend valleys, meet apocalyptic trees, and come face to face with the entrance of the underworld. From the Haoteng to the Eastern Cape, along the famous garden route into the Western Cape, until we veer northwards into the yellow forests of the Hanavos, we'll explore how these narratives are reflected in the shifting landscape. But don't worry, we'll also do some exploring of our own. Piqued your interest yet? Perhaps I should have added some dramatic music to punctuate my point. But nevertheless, here we go. I travelled to South Africa between 2014 and 2017. This was, as you may remember, soon after Mandela's death. The country was impassioned and in mourning. The land itself became a metaphor for the people that inhabited it, exemplified by an apprehension over the future amid present and historic pain. And while, as an outsider to all of this, I can't ever claim to understand it in its entirety, I can share with you all that it evoked within me. My time there became a journey, both internal and external, like a photograph or a painting, or any other medium. The visual became visceral. It was immediate and raw, hopeful and heartbreaking, all at once. Between Our Seas describes a stillness felt as a nation lying wait, unsure of what the future holds. And I'm sure this is something we can all relate to, this uncertainty and waiting of a world on hold. It takes you across the country, shares stories of experiences, and all the people met along the way. It is a story of indecision, resolution, resilience, apprehension, and anticipation. The world in waiting for what comes next, and an unyielding belief in the power of healing. It is the first place where I have felt a connection with the land like that present in Canada, an understanding that it is vast and alive, and to be lived with rather than on. It represents a meeting of so many worlds I need a lifetime to triangulate. And maybe that's why I called it what I did. Between our seas, South Africa is located between the Indian and Atlantic Oceans. But the more I traveled through, the more I learned and listened, the more it reminded me of home. And though it is an entirely different type of remote, it reminded me of the sea, of always hearing it in the periphery, washing over the sands, clashing against rocks, and piercing through every part of me. And I still don't know if this makes much sense, but my time there was like the sea. I grew up watching the Pacific, in all its moods and marvels. The Pacific, the Atlantic, and the Indian Oceans. Somehow, it came to represent a meeting of these worlds. Then again, perhaps I simply wanted to find a way to place myself amongst it all. To fit in, even just for a little while. Maybe I wanted to express a connection I couldn't articulate. A connection between worlds so vastly different, yet undeniable. Welcome to the dawn, when the entirety of the world is left to its own devices. Welcome to this instance, in its fleeting infinity, cut off from the corners of our own perception. I've lost my place, lost sight of all that came before, and of any notable pretext. The dusk consumes my eyes, the day's final gleam into our collective revolution. 360 degrees. Turn all the way around. Let us start again. Follow the road to the coast. A straight line chases the horizon. Then turn. 
It's only over the next bend that the road meets the sky. New episodes every Wednesday. Don't forget to tune in as we start with the Eastern Cape. Each week I'll post images, photos of my travels, the resulting artwork, and some behind-the-scenes printing processes as a part of a visual journal to go along with each episode. They'll be posted on my Instagram, the link's in the description. Or visit my website, christinachan.com, for the more polished, finished works. This project would not have been possible without the support of the Villiers David Foundation and the Royal College of Art. I'd like to thank the Lombas and the Lombards for their incredible support and friendship, not just in this project, but over the years. And Miriam Wax for her help and invaluable advice on recording and production. I'd like to acknowledge the Canada Council for the Arts for their support in creating this podcast as a platform to share my thoughts and process with you all. And until next week, happy travels.